fair. (laughs) I don't want to make this more dramatic than it is. I'm grateful for you, and it's a privilege to preach God's word to you this morning. I intend to, to say thanks uh, throughout today's text. I believe it's a, it's a passage that allows me to do that and be faithful to it. I just want to say thank you up front uh, to you, Keith, and to pastoral staff, to our elders. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to come and serve here and to grow and uh, be a part of this body. Uh, thank you, church, for your prayers as well, uh, for me and my family back in February when we uh, introduced the idea that uh, we are relocating to Nashville, Tennessee for another ministry assignment. Seems like the Lord's calling us to do that. A lot of uncertainty that came with that. Not sure what I'll be doing. It's a small church plant, so I'll be needing to look for a job in the marketplace. Not sure where we'll be living, but we just sense the Lord calling us to do this. And I just want to update you. Uh, God has provided for us above and beyond what I can imagine. Um, and providing for us a wonderful, you know, wonderful job, a wonderful home, and a location close to family and the church. And the job allowed me to serve as a bivocational pastor at the church, but it's called Redeeming Grace Church. It's part of Sovereign Grace Churches, so I'll get to see uh, your pastors once a year, at least at the pastor's conference, thankfully, and get to continue serving together. Uh, but I, I just want to thank you for that, because I, I think... That provision is a result of your prayers for us. Numerous people have come to us and just said you're praying for us and you've encouraged us since we announced that. So uh, the Lord provided. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, Thank you as well, I want to say, for your encouragement in the the task of preaching. Uh, Before I arrived at Lakeview, I I think I preached a couple times. And uh, since being here, God has used this church to, to build me up in this gift. I have a long way to go, but he's certainly grown me uh, through your encouragement, through the, the example and model of your pastors. Um, and I intend to use that gift to continue preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel uh, in Tennessee as well at the church there. So thank you for that. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I hope this last message goes well. Uh, Oh, well, you guys, just go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Letter of Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 7 through 16. As you're returning there, I'll I'll just say this up front. This morning, we're going to be spending our time considering something that God deeply cares about. In fact, this is, it's actually his ultimate purpose, his, his grand design for the church and both the church universal and, and here at Lakeview as well, what God deeply cares about for this church. And I'll say it this way, deep, deep in the heart of God, I think we're going to see there resides a very specific and a very strategic 
actually a very supernatural and really quite profound desire that he has for us here at Lakeview. And in these verses, he's going to show us his cards. He's going to disclose to us what his desire is for us. All right, so let's read these verses together. Verse 7, chapter 4. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but, or by human cunning or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Pray with me. Father, here we see your loving purpose for the church, the body of Christ, how it is the most important thing happening here on this planet, what you're doing in and through the church. I want to pray that as we consider this passage this morning, as we look into what you are saying to us, that Jesus would be glorified. Spirit, you would empower us to, to build your church and to do what you call us to do. You would affect our hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to consider this together. We pray in Christ's name, amen. The title of this morning's message that's in your notes is Growing Together in Christ. I want to frame it a little bit like this. Now, I haven't, haven't fact-checked this with many folks in the medical community here at Lakeview, so that's my disclaimer, but you can Google it if I'm, you know, trying to figure it out or if I'm wrong here. But I, read, I recently read an interesting fact about walking, really about, like, taking one step. And, and apparently, in order for a person to take one single step, it takes 200 muscles to work together. And you zoom out a little further in your muscle activity, you'll see it's actually one small part of a larger bodily system that makes taking a single step possible. In fact, before we even take our step, our central nervous system signals postural adjustments to our legs and feet so that the center of pressure in our feet would be designated and then to the appropriate leg. And so that we don't immediately fall or trip when we take that step, our hips keep us balanced as they rotate forward and backward along our spine. 
Then this motion is transmitted through the spine to the shoulders, which mirror the hips to provide an even greater sense of balance. And because I'm not a medical professional, I'm going to stop right there and try to describe what happens when we walk. But I think you get the point. Walking is only possible when each part of the body is functioning properly. There are parts of the body that are necessary and critical to work together in order for a person to walk. And you see where I'm going with this. I'm I'm framing the sermon this way, that the, the church is called here in this text the body of Christ. And that in order for the body of Christ to grow and become more like Christ, each member of the body, each part of the body must be working together properly. That's, that's the big picture where we're going this morning. But let, me, let me just highlight a couple observations real quick for us up front. Number one, we see in this text the church is the body of Christ. Number two, the church is called to grow into Christ. Two quick observations, right? The church is the body of Christ. The church is called to grow into Christ. Think about this then. I don't know how you're thinking about church this morning, but think about it like this. If the church is really the body of Jesus Christ, then there's absolutely nothing more precious on earth than the church. What else? is so joined and connected and fused and united together with the Son of God than the church. There's nothing more precious than the body of Christ. And think about this. If the church is called by God to grow up into every way into Christ, then there's nothing more critical or important for you to give your life to. I hope you agree with that. If you agree with that, that's, that's what our text is showing us. If the church is the body, there's nothing more precious. If we're called to grow into Christ, nothing more important or critical or necessary for us to be giving our life to. So just the question up front as we, as we engage this text is, let me ask you this, do you long for that? When you think about your life, what you want it to be about, does it sound like this? Being a part of the body of Christ and helping the body of Christ grow into Christ-likeness. That is, that is absolutely what God longs for you. This is his heart for us that his people would love to grow his body, to look more like his son. So is that that something you long for? Is that something you really, just, you know, being honest with yourself, I I mean, at least, let's definitely be honest, right? I mean, we want to be honest with ourselves. Is Is that what, deep in your heart, you say, That's what I want to be about. As Pastor Keith would say, does that make you tick? You read these verses and it just say, yeah, man, I'm all, I want to be about that. And I think that's the Lord's heart here for us to see this morning. I think God wants us to see that surely, surely, the one thing that the Son of God gave his life for is of infinite worth. 
and is really the best thing any of us have going for our lives. And it's the church. Do you feel that way? You might be thinking, wait a minute, Jason. You're telling me that this church, with all these ordinary people, messy and flawed, yep, messy and flawed. You know how messy and flawed? Messy and flawed is me and you. This church, ordinary people, messy and flawed, coming together, doing the same mundane thing in the same place at the same time, seeing the same faces, serving in the same role, Sunday after Sunday, small group after small group. You mean to tell me that, that the church is unparalleled in importance compared to anything else happening on this planet? Absolutely. Absolutely. And for the Christian, it's, it's exactly where God wants you to be. Let me say this briefly. If, if your idea of Christianity is just you and Jesus journeying through life together and really has nothing to do with the local church, which is a pretty popular idea these days, then these verses, here's what they're telling you. They're telling you what you're doing is you're actually living life with a head and no body. Which, let's be honest, that looks pretty weird. I believe most of us are here this morning because we love the church. That's been my experience here. You love the church. You're committed to it. You serve faithfully. And I think God wants to encourage you this morning to keep going. Some of us, maybe we need to be challenged in our love for the church and what God's purposes for your life are in it. And that's what this text is gonna help us see this morning. Wherever you find yourself, I think God's word is gonna have something to say to you. And in fact, here's how I would just sum up what these verses say to us in one statement. What I believe God wants you to know that you know that you know is this. This is what this text is saying to us this morning. We are to grow as a church into the fullness of Christ. Do you see that there? We are to grow as a church into the fullness of Christ. That's, uh, that's really God's claim on each of our lives this morning. God longs to see his children grow up to look more and more like his son, and he calls us to join him in that glorious endeavor. Really, that's what the book of Ephesians is all about, the whole letter, right? It's, it's kind of broken up into two big sections. If you read through Ephesians chapters one through three, and then chapters four through six. Chapters one through three, they're all about how God mercifully united his people in Christ, in his son. Chapters four through six are all about how we are to live out that unity, how we're to maintain it and pursue Christ-likeness together. If you read through this letter, surely you've noticed Ephesians four, it marks a significant turning point in Paul's emphasis in this letter, right? He goes from describing in chapters one through three what God has done for the church to chapters four through six, what the church must now do. He goes from theology to application, right? From doctrine to duty, from, from indicative to imperative, from God did this, so now church, you do that. From who we are, 
as the church to what we are called to do as the church. That's how you can sum up this letter. Here's what chapters one through three tell us. It tells us that we were once a godless people, spiritually dead, who are now beloved children, made alive in Christ, brought near to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ by grace through faith. When we believe in that, we are born again. Then you turn to Ephesians chapter four and look at verse one, which we didn't read, but you can glance at that. In light of God's amazing salvation story, in light of everything that God has done, Ephesians 4.1, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And that just summarizes the rest of the book right there. And he begins to show us what that looks like, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And specifically this morning, we see that what it looks like for us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling in these verses is that it means for us to grow as a church into the fullness of Christ. That's God's call on our lives this morning. That's the main point of this text. And the rest of the text, Paul answers three questions we're going to look at. Three questions. The questions are this. What does this mean? Why does this matter? And how does this happen? What does this mean? Why does this matter? How does this happen? All right, question one, what does this mean? Specifically, what is meant? What is meant here by the fullness of Christ, that phrase fullness of Christ? Well, very plainly, as we've said, it means the church body becoming more and more like the head, Jesus Christ. Or as verse 13 describes it, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Or as Paul says in Romans 8, 29, it's becoming conformed into the very image of Christ. And we are to become this way. We're to become fully like him. And we're to do this, look at verse 15, in every way. So the fullness of Christ is becoming fully like him in every way, fully like Jesus, in every way, fully like him in our personality, fully like him in our character, fully like him in our love for one another, in our service to one another, in our care for one another, fully like him in every way. And how we speak to others. This is an expression that conveys the body of Christ becoming more like Christ in order to radiate the beauty of Christ, in order to be salt into the darkness. It's, it's amazing when you think about it. It means Christ's very presence being made manifest among us. I read that, I'm like, what, what am I saying? <laughs> to some degree, this is mysterious. Christ's very presence being made manifest among us. And not just in a few categories, but in every way. I did a little research. That phrase, in every way, in the Greek, means in every way. In every way. Not just in our heads, right? That we would have the mind of Christ and we would, we would listen to sound doctrine. That matters. Not just in our heads, not just in our hearts, that we would have compassion like Christ and, and be loving like Christ towards other people not just in our hands and how we serve and get our hands messy in the work of ministry, in every way, head, heart, hands, more like Christ. 
growing up into his fullness. It's, a, it's comprehensive growth here. In every way, Jesus is the standard of maturity to which we must aspire. According to this verse, we, we cannot be content to fall short of the fullness of Christ. I'm currently 34. Um, I look back 10 years ago at 24, and I'm pretty convinced I knew nothing. I don't think you can talk me into any other conclusion. Um, I know, I know that at 44, I'm going to look back to right now, and I'm going to be like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do need to grow up. Right? 54, 64. The point is this, there's never a time right in our lives where we just arrive. Like, I finally, done. I'm mature enough, I've grown enough. And Paul is saying the same is true for the body of Christ. Spiritually, as a church, think about it. If our goal is Jesus Christ, if he is our standard, then we haven't arrived especially when you think about that phrase, in every way. There's no lid to that. There's no measurement. We know we will be, uh, never really be fully like him until we see him face to face, but nonetheless, we see in this text, we're called to pursue that. We're called to become like Christ, not just individually. Paul's talking to a church, right? As a, as a church body, we're to look more like our head, who is Christ. And here's why it matters that we do this. It's not a, I mean, it's enough for God to say, do this. We say, okay, we'll obey. Here's why it matters. Paul, Paul shows us why this even matters. Look at uh, verse 14, why it's so critical for us to grow up. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Point two, why does this matter? Think about this. Every single Christian, all of us, we're, we're Christian because we've been born again into a new life in Christ. And we come into this new life as spiritual infants, as babies, as children. And Paul, Paul uses this word children here, and he uses the plural form of the word because he wants to emphasize how extremely individualistic children are. Right? We're, we're to become one man, one person, but he's emphasizing children and how individualistic children can be. Children, think about it, children are often focused on themselves, what, what serves them, um, what meets their needs, I think we see this kind of individualism today in, in the idea of church consumerism, right? Where the church becomes something that exists only to meet an individual's needs. It becomes a place to be served rather than to serve. And this really is like the air we breathe if you think about it. Uh, the Cokes are always cold. Our chairs are always comfortable. Uh, we have like 17 adjectives with our coffee. Got like 300 channels with our cable. Right, we've got like seat warmers in our car, varying degrees. Not that we really need that in New Orleans, but got that. 
I'm not saying any of those things are wrong or bad. I, I think I'm grateful for those things. I'm saying that if we're not careful, we can begin to develop expectations that life should always feel that way. And we can begin to think about the church that way as well. That the church just, it exists merely to meet my needs. That's how children, Paul says, think. It doesn't take long before we can look at church, but I trust you see here that church isn't merely about functioning for the individual. Nowhere is Paul highlighting that in this text. Rather, The church exists for formation, for spiritual formation. It's not just about function. It's about formation. It's about forming us all into Christ, growing and shaping this body more into Christ's very likeness, right? So just picture a a fully grown, middle-aged man coming in in a baby stroller with a pasty in his mouth, a sippy cup. How out of place does that look? How incongruous with reality is that? Paul's saying, well, a church that's not maturing, like we come in like that, and we can look like that. He calls us to grow. And I'm so grateful um, that this church uh, consistently calls us to pursue becoming more like Christ. I'm so grateful for how you have done that, how mature, how, how God has matured this body, that my, my family and I could step in here and grow together with you guys and to experience formation and change, become more like Jesus. I can say, I think after my four years here, I can look back and say, I think I, think I look more like Christ and that is precious to me. Thank you. Thank you for being a church that (laughs) pursues growth and loves Christ. God's grace was the tool for my change. Um, The Holy Spirit empowered that, but this body was the context in which that happened. And uh, I thank you for that. On behalf of my family, I thank you for that. Keep going in that. Keep growing. Another mark we see here about children is they're deeply inconsistent. Deeply inconsistent. They're tossed to and fro, Paul says, by the waves. They're unstable in their actions. Have you ever tried to keep a child's attention? It's really hard, especially dinner time. Dinner time, like one minute they're focused sitting down and eating their food and the next minute they're up from the table and they're putting toothpaste all over the bathroom sink, right? (laughs) Not that that's happened to us. (laughs) Right, but we're we're deeply inconsistent and um, I think one example of ways we can be this way um, if we give into this is one minute we'll say yes to obeying God then we can walk out the door and just totally forget what we've heard. Right, one minute we're, we're consistent in attendance and singing with the church, and the next it's, it's time to skip. Right? Paul's saying we need to grow in that sense. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that this church values consistency. 
and meaningful participation and commitment to the local church. I'm so grateful we have small groups and, and summer Bible jams I've gotten to benefit from and be a part of and to help, help me apply what I'm learning and to keep me accountable to other people. Listen, I need that. We all need that. I'm inconsistent. I say I want to do one thing, the next minute I'll do the other. That's why we need the church. We need one another. I need to hear faithful preaching of the scriptures and have the Bible brought to bear on my life. I need to be stirred in my love for Christ as, as we meet together weekly with other believers. We need to do what we were created to do, which is worship God with his people. We need to minister to others and to be ministered to by others. And I'm so thankful that the past four years, my wife and I could do and experience all of that here at Lakeview. We intend to continue doing that as we relocate to Tennessee. And if you see we're not, you just come up and grab me or something, man. Uh, but we, we're grateful. Keep going. You guys are excelling. And it's been a privilege to be a part of that. Another mark of children we see here is they often lack discernment. They are, Paul says, carried carried about by every wind of doctrine. Even about children. children. Children don't often know what's good food from bad food, right? What's harmful food from helpful food. When it's time to sleep and when it's not time to sleep. Unfortunately, they can't really discern that, right? They, they lack discernment. I don't remember how old I was. I was either three or four years old and I was out by a lake with my family and just having a blast. I was picking up some rocks and I was throwing the rocks in the lake watching them splash, and I kept looking for bigger and bigger rocks because the bigger the rock, the bigger the splash. And I just thought it was the most amazing thing, having a good time. Then I found what I thought was the perfect rock. I mean, it was big enough to make a, an, a pretty awesome splash, yet it was small enough where I could pick it up. And so I reached down to pick it up, only it wasn't a rock. It was an ant bed. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> My parents quickly helped me recover from that. They were there. And, uh, but you know what? I did not discern the difference. Paul is saying spiritual infants can be the same way with doctrines, with teachings. And, and these things can harm way worse than an ambed. In fact, they can carry you away. You disappear. You start buying into stuff. That's nowhere in the Bible. Right? They seem helpful, but they're actually very harmful. And it's not really until you get your way around the Bible and understand, understand it better that you're able to finally discern what's good, what's bad, what are, what are harmful ideas or helpful ideas, what's, what's intended to maliciously deceive you and to prey on your weakness so that you would be led astray and what's not. I think the Bible jam and what we're getting ready to do and, and the book getting ready to read is gonna help with that even, even more. And I'm grateful that these past four years I could come here Sunday after Sunday and listen to excellent biblical preaching and teaching from our leaders. Aren't you grateful? Do you see the danger? God is using these men to help equip us and to grow us.
just a means of grace. We'll talk more on that. But I want to encourage you to continue listening. Because from this pulpit is coming sound doctrine. You're getting the Bible. You're getting truth. And God is using it to protect you and to grow you. The stakes are high. And we need the church. All right, so that's why it matters. We've seen what it means. We've seen why it matters. Lastly, how does this happen? How do we grow into the fullness of Christ? Two ways. Christ builds and we build. That's what Paul says here. Christ builds and we build. A maturing church is first and foremost the work of Jesus Christ. Right, look at uh, verse 16 and how it comes from him. From whom, right, that's in reference to Jesus. From whom? From Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Jesus is the head of the body, and from the head, the body grows. The body grows, and it becomes more like the head. Christ grows the church. Well, here's how he does this. Look at verse 7. Look at what Christ gives that makes the body grow. He gives the body gifts of grace. You see that in verse 7? But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So each one of us in the body, Christ is giving gifts to. Nobody misses out on this. Every Christian receives supernatural ability to serve the body in the form of grace. And look how Christ does this. Therefore, Paul says, it says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So here, Paul, he's citing Psalm 68, 18, where the one who ascends victorious over his enemies is the triumphant Lord God. And Paul sees that text as being fulfilled in Jesus' ascension over his enemies, sin, death, and Satan. And as he ascends, he gives the church, he gives his body gifts, tools, weapons, if you will, spoils of victory. I just defeated all that. I'm taking all the treasures home, and I'm not keeping them to myself. I'm giving them to my body. And he gives them away, and he calls us to take them. We're going to see he calls us to use them. We're going to see we also need some help with that. We're going to see how he does that. But we're called to use them and to grow. As he ascends, he does this. And I just want to point out with this ascension piece, um, man, you're paying attention to the news. Uh, There's some pretty heavy stuff happening. Um, As Pastor Keith just helps us understand the times so well. Uh, You got... ISIS, you got um, this presidential election, you got the redefinition of humanity, not just marriage, but humanity. Nuclear weapons. But look, Jesus ascended and, and he's at the, the right hand of the Father and he's sovereignly ruling over history. And so listen, like, Jesus sees all that, and literally it's like, meh. 
No sweat. I got this. The sovereign Lord of history. And he's got us. He's got this church. He's going to intend to carry out his purposes for it as the sovereign Lord. And he's, he's calling us, meanwhile, he's calling us, the church, to, to, not, to not worry about that. That's important. We should think and live wisely in light of that. But to, to allow him to rule over the affairs of mankind as the risen and ascended Lord. And he calls us to get to work, to build the church, to, to literally to bust open the gates of hell. Right, and to see, to see lives change, to see the gospel penetrate darkness, right, to be the salt of the earth, to see hearts transformed, disciples made, churches planted, and becoming more like him. And he's given us what we need to do that. Look at verse 11 and 12. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So these are gifts God gives the church to better help you use your gifts, right? These are gifts God gives the church in the form of these men, offices, to equip the body, to, to come alongside you and say, hey, so okay, Christ gave you that gift. Oh, you got that tool. Okay, well, here's, how, here, here's probably a good way you could use that. Let me, let me show you how, let me, let me, God's given me a gift to show you how to use that. I'm kind of the instruction manual. So I'm going to, here, just read me, I'll, I'll teach you how we use this, and we can use this together to build up the body, right? These men are, they're equippers, and with the word, they prepare and instruct and train us how to use our gifts. It's worth pointing out that these equippers are not the end. They're simply a means to the end, right? The end, the end, it seems like Paul is saying, is not you coming here on a Sunday morning to hear from some guy on stage and then go off and say whether that was good or not, right? I mean, that, that's not the end. You see that, right? The end is for the body to be equipped so that it would grow and become more like Christ, He's the end. He is the end all be all. And when we put expectations on other people or things to be the end, it just crushes. Right? So the, the church comes, we gather, we're equipped to go and to grow the body to become more like Christ, to do our part. All right, so that's how Christ builds. But apparently, we see in this text, there's a way that we participate in Jesus building his church. And he conquers our sin on the cross. He rose from the grave as a victorious king. He's given us gifts and he calls us to participate and to use them. So look at verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus builds the church, the, he, he, he grows the body, but the body grows the body too. See, that's so the body is called to grow the body up. 
How do we do that? Two ways. We speak truth and love to the body, and we serve one another in the body. Seems to be what Paul's saying here. So you're in this body for a reason. Christ has given grace to you, and he intends you to minister that grace to the body. Right? You're like a conduit of God's grace. He's like, I'm going to give you this gift. Take this gift and spread it throughout the body so that the body receives that grace. Because if you're not serving in this way, if you're not functioning properly, the body's not going to receive that grace. And as a result, it's not going to grow in a healthy way as it can be. Right? So he's, he's literally, God is, is saying to you this morning, if you, if you, if you are in Christ, he, he has given you gifts. He's given you tools and weapons. And if, if the body's not benefiting from that, we're not growing in a way that, that Christ calls us to here. All right, and so we're to speak the truth and love to the body and serve one another in this body. This kind of gets us back to our walking illustration we opened with. There are parts of the body that are necessary and critical to work together for a person to take one step. The same is true for the body of Christ. For us to grow up into the fullness of Christ, then each member of this body must work together and do its part. So what does this look like? We just think about this, this venue right here, the Sunday morning venue. Um, all that's happening on a Sunday morning to build up the body in love. So formally, we have folks serving as greeters. We have folks serving in the bookstore. We have children's ministry volunteers. We have an audio and video team volunteering their time. We have folks serving on the worship team. Teaching is happening. Spanish interpretation ministry is happening on a Sunday morning. Guest services is happening. And this kind of this kind of service takes place not only just in, here in this context, but in other venues as well we do as a church. If you are serving, if you're serving in any of these ways, um, you are a means of God's grace. You see this, you're a means of God's grace growing you, growing the body into Christ. And I know personally, uh, I have benefited uh, so much from partnering with many of you to serve in various capacities here at Lakeview. Thank you. I, I name names, but I know you, you wouldn't want me to. Um, thank you for partnering with me. Thank you for joining in and being a part of this. I've benefited. I've become more like Christ as a result. I've experienced grace from your life that God's uniquely given you and nobody else. And I've benefited from that, and I'm grateful for that. And the body needs that. Think about all the ways we build up the body, like informally, like speaking truth and love to one another on a Sunday morning. We greet one another uh, with truth. We, we, we greet one another in a way that, that communicates, uh, Jesus died for my sins, and I, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I'm here for you. Right? We pray with one another. Right, we catch up and encourage one another. It's been a rough week. We, we, we love on one another and care for one another. Right, we're dropping the kids off in children's ministry to say hello and thank you and, and, and express gratitude to God for those who are serving in different capacities. Right? We're, we're speaking the truth in love. We're, we're affirming that what Christ has done for us is actually true. And we're a part of that as a body. And we're experiencing that together. These are all ways we can be 
conduits of grace to the body until we reach the fullness of Christ. Right, so we're, we're called to participate in that. And Jesus is gonna build his church and we join in and we're conduits. We receive grace from him. We're equipped by other gifts to use that grace, but we gotta use it, right? We gotta give that grace away. Christ gave his life away. He gave these gifts away. And he calls us to look at one another and say, I'm gonna give my life to this. I'm gonna give these gifts away. I'm not gonna hold on to them. I'm about the whole church growing up together. I'm not about just me and how this is functioning in my life. I'm about formation. Right, that's the call that God has on the church. That's, that's what he longs to see happening. That's what's deep in his heart, his desire, his strategic, specific desire for us is that the body to look more like the head. I think that's what we see here in these verses. So here's the application in closing. How are you doing? Now, I trust you, this isn't just the pastor standing up here saying, hey, we need to serve. You see God saying this. You see that? As you stand before God, how are you doing? Um, investing your life in this, in the growth of the body where he has you. Would you, would you say you're sort of on the sidelines and not in the game? If that's true, I, I think he's saying get, get in the game. He's given you the skills and the abilities. You got coaches to get in the game. Look how glorious this is. I mean, if we're the body of Christ called to do this, nothing more important. Nothing more important. Nothing more precious than being a part of this. Right? If you're in the game and you are doing this, which many of you are, I think God just wants to encourage you to keep going. It's worth it. The stakes are high. He loves his church. And he, he gives us the privilege to build it. And to be a part of that. What a privilege. What a privilege to build the body of Christ. To be a part of the body of Christ becoming more holy and beautiful before its maker. There's nothing more important. What a privilege to do that with you all to be part of this glorious thing happening at Lakeview. My family and I are so grateful. We are uh, excited for <clears throat> where the Lord is calling us and all that the work he has intended for us to walk in there and to be part of growing a church there. Uh, but we will deeply miss you and we will pray for you and uh, and, and we've, we've received way more than we've given um, you have been a blessing to us so thank you I'm excited to see how you continue and keep pressing forward to grow this body let's pray Lord, there really is nothing more precious on earth than to be a part of your body, to be welcomed in 
mercifully by you to be joined in this body. Lord, we were once not part of a body, not part of your body, Lord. We were once dead in our sins. As Ephesians 2 says, we were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. We had no hope living for what matters very little. But you mercifully made us alive and joined us to your body. And you gave us gifts, you gave us grace to grow and to encourage one another and to love one another and to serve one another and to edify one another and to build this body up in love. Or may that, that be the, the story that marks this church for all time here until you return, that it, it was building itself up in love. And I'm grateful that I got to be a part of that. I'm grateful for your grace to us through Lakeview. I pray you'd bless this church, Lord. Use it uh, just to continue to be salt and light into this world, into this dark world. May they continue to extend the gospel and grow more like Christ, Lord. Uh, bless Lakeview more than we can even imagine. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Could I, uh, you guys can hold. want to take a moment to, to pray for the stubble field. So I want to ask Judith Ann to come join her husband up here. I want to ask the elders to come up and join me and the pastoral team as well. If you guys who have had the privilege of walking together, I'm going to locate you guys over here because you're going to be joined by a whole group of others. I want to take us back to this passage in Acts chapter 20. You know, the passage we were reading from earlier is the Apostle Paul who, for three years of his life, he lived amongst the church in Ephesus. And he shared life with them and he did ministry with them. And their lives touched him and his life touched theirs as well. And then in God's plan and in God's economy, it was, it was time for Paul to be somewhere else. It was time for him to take the work of the Spirit to another setting and to do that work there. And, you know, it's a sobering reality that, you know, what Jason shared with us today, the manner of our lives, the way we walk things out, the way we are or are not in Ephesians 4 church affects wherever these folks that get sent from here go. And they bring something with them when they go. And so in some ways, I know departures are are. A little bitter taste in my mouth over departures. I've, I've, I've been a part of too many departures in the last several years. I, I don't like it. <laughs> but, you know, there's another concept in the scriptures that's more like scattering seed. You know, at some point, the sower reaches into the bag of those things that have been near to him, and he scatters them, and he walks on. And that seed is over there, and he's somewhere else. And so in some ways, God has allowed us to be a church that has scattered some seed. And there are guys that are no longer with us, but they're somewhere else. And they're doing something for the glory of God. And so Jason's name is going to join a list of other names, like Jeff Earhart on the North Shore, who's 
sowing in a different place and leading others in a different place for the glory of God. And Matt Mason, who's in Birmingham, Alabama, doing the same for the glory of God. And Dean and Denise Adamek, who are in Guadalupe, Mexico, who are doing that. And guys even who haven't served in some capacity, they've been a part of our life here. You know, Ben Watson, who was here a couple of weeks ago, who's now somewhere else, he, he did life with us. And Jason and Judith Ann did life with us. And, and our great hope, and, and we take this because somebody else is going to be doing life with us when these guys are in Nashville, that something about what they experienced among us caused them to see Christ more richly, to become more conformed to his image, to be able to take that somewhere else and to serve somewhere else. And so as, as much as I don't like that scattering effect, I love the idea that somehow we're going to be able to participate in look at what's growing in Franklin, Tennessee and to know God in some mystery thank you for letting us be a part of that for your lives to now be sown into other lives and for there to be an impact there a rescue, an encouragement a strengthening of faith and so grateful that we got to be part of the future that we don't even know what it is yet, which is what this verse goes on to talk about next. Here's what the Apostle Paul said to those folks in Ephesus. He says, now, behold, I'm going to Nashville. Oh, I'm sorry, actually, he said he was going to Jerusalem. You're going to Nashville, that's right. Constrained by the Spirit. There's some tough words here for you guys not knowing what will happen to me there. And you don't know, do you? You just know you're going in faith. Except that the Holy Spirit, well, this is just for Paul. Don't take this to heart too much. The Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I, I don't count my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I want to say this, Jason, to you. So I was meditating on this verse for you. You, you have afforded me the privilege to speak into your life quite a bit. And I, I'm grateful for that. And, and you have always been so welcoming and pursuing. And so in a fatherly way, I want to I wanna charge you. I can get the tears out of my eyes so I can find the passage here. <laughs> I want to charge you to finish your course. and to fulfill the ministry that God has given to you. And, and I, I don't know what awaits you in Nashville, and I don't know what distractions could be there, and I don't know what sidetracking elements could be a part of your life in the years to come. But I want you to remember that you stood on a platform with a guy who loves you years ago who said, you make sure you finish your course and you fulfill the ministry that God has given you in your life. Whether it's easy to do that or hard to do that, hard to find guys who love the gospel and are willing to lay their lives down for it. So you don't forget God has called you to do that. Amen. All right, well, please join us in praying for these guys.
Lord, we say thank you for so much of what Jason shared with us today. Lord, he has been participating in. He has been encouraging us and helping us to see these very things and to long for them in our hearts and to walk with us, whether it's been from a pulpit or from across a table in a conversation, or to seek to have Christ formed in us, to seek maturity in our lives and strengthening of who you are to us and to help us see all that you've done and all that you are to us more clearly. Lord, I thank you that he's able to walk from this place, not scratching his head wondering, was I, was I clear in what I shared? Did I share things that were profitable? Did I really serve these folks? God, I, I thank you that he, through his life and through his words, he has proclaimed the gospel to us. And Lord, he has preached that gospel to his own family and they have proclaimed the gospel to us. So God, we are thankful today for grace that's come into our lives through these last four years. God, we are sobered by the reality that we had the privilege of playing a role in their lives so that there might be an absorbing of something of you that, that goes with them from what they experienced here. And so, God, we are eager to pray over that. Oh, Lord, over the seed that's about to be scattered. God, over a field in Franklin, Tennessee, in the area there that we don't even fully know all that that means. But, God, in faith, we know that you're a God who wants to reach people. And you want to protect the people that belong to you. And you want them to grow to maturity, as we heard today. So, God, our hearts join together with Jason and Judith Ann as they seek a place Seek new lives, seek opportunities, Lord, that they might live for your glory and spread your gospel and bring people into the nearness of knowing their God deeply and living for his cause for as many days as you will give them upon this earth. So, Lord, thank you for sending them to us. And, Lord, with faith and anticipation, Lord, we go with them in our hearts, we go with them in our prayers, and we look forward to the chapters that will be written, and in some way we look forward to celebrating being a part of that. And We say thank you, Lord, for this couple, for this family, in Jesus' name, amen.
triumphs, joy 